Welcome to Footloose, the podcast where we chat with people living unconventional and nomadic lifestyles. I'm your host, Tim Bull, and I hope you'll join me as we hear stories from travellers from around the world. Welcome to this episode of Footloose. I'm very excited because today I'm going to be talking with Chris Englert. Now, we don't actually know each other, at least not face-to-face. We've met online through a nomad travel group that focuses called Go With Less, and it basically focuses on people that are, um, to be fair, probably more of a retirement kind of age, like myself, uh, and also those that are members of something that we'll talk a little bit about called FIRE. Uh, Chris, would you like to just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you know, where you're from, um, you're American, and how you just sort of got started into this sort of nomadic lifestyle. Well, hey, Tim. I'm really excited to be here. I've been loving following your blog and your life and adventures of living on a boat. I, I feel you. I've done that in my past. So I feel we are a little bit connected on being shipmates virtually a little bit. So I'm really glad to be here. Uh, let's see. I, um, I am 55 years old. I retired at 49 uh, from corporate America. I sold uh, college textbooks and software. So all you folks who are writing those checks for textbooks, thank you very much. You're funding <laughs> my retirement. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but we are, my husband and I are currently in Ajaji, Mexico. Uh, we left Denver, Colorado after living there for about 10 years. Prior to that, we were in Florida where we met in Florida with first wives and first husbands and that type of thing. Uh, and we're both in Florida for about 25 years. And then prior to that, I grew up in San Diego. So I'm a I call myself a multi-coastal American. How's that? With that, mountains in between. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Wow. So, you know, you, you've lived some pretty extreme or different sorts of uh, climates and cultures, even just within the US. Yeah, I have. Absolutely. So, you know, 49, 50, um, I, I like to say that that my wife and I are accidentally retired. Like we didn't, I don't think we really set out intending to retire. So we're a little bit different than other people. We just started down this path and realized that actually we didn't need to go back to work. But I know that for a lot of people, this has been something that's quite deliberate and intentional that you've planned at for a period of time. Well, I am actually the textbook poster poster child for every human resources manager who, who tries to convince you to sign up for the corporate retirement plans and so on. So after graduate school, I, I graduated from Columbia and then started my first professional job at IBM when I was 22 or 23, something like that. And of course, when they, when you started in corporate America and obviously at IBM, uh, you know, the HR people come in your first couple of weeks and they convince you to sign up for the 401k plans and put, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. 5% or 10% or whatever of your paycheck away. And they, they teach you about matching and all these things that at 22, most people are like, I don't, I don't know what that stuff is. I don't care. I don't want to think about when I'm 65, whatever. I did. I absolutely signed up 100% on, um, you know, all the freebies. Well, I guess they're not technically freebies, but the benefits that you get from when you're 25. (laughs) Yeah. So I signed, you know, I put, I, I put away the maximum amount of money I could do every year, you know, got all the matching and so on. And then, um, later on in my career, I moved to a sales job which had, you know, commissions and bonuses and kickers and those types of things. And so whenever I would get extra money beyond my salary, I would put it in my retirement funds. And so I was, I actually got to retirement kind of the good old fashioned way that you're, I don't know if there's a textbook definition of how you're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. So at 49, uh, my company, I was working at Pearson education at the time and there were layoffs and all kinds of things happening and transitions and stuff. And I saw the opportunity that perhaps I could leave because I was, I originally, I was playing when I was back at IBM, I was planning to retire at 55 Mm -hmm. and at 49, when this opportunity came up at, at, at Pearson, I took a look at my accounts and talked to my financial planner. And she said, you know what, go for it. And I did. (laughs) So that's my half of the story. My, my husband's is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so how did you decide then that, you know, getting, you know, getting towards retirement, it wasn't enough just to sit at home and, uh, you know, live out, live out life in the family home that you were going to start traveling around the world. Yeah. So that, so I actually, back in 1999, I, um, 
I don't know how old was I, 20, 30 something, the other, I had this dream that I wanted to, in, in 2005, I wanted to take a sabbatical and go around the world and just whatever was going on. I didn't, if I, at, at the time I was single in 99, but whether I was married, had children, whatever, I was going to take the 2005 off and go around the world. Anyway, long story short, that didn't happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> but wrong husband, wrong environment, wrong job, those types of scenarios. Anyway, so then when I met Steve, my second husband in 2009, I think our, I don't know if it was our first date or our second date uh, after uh, he, I, he convinced me that he loved me for me and the package of me, which included my daughter at the time, uh, we started, I, I think the first question I asked him travel was what airline do you like? And when he said Southwest in the in the U.S. and then Delta for international, I thought, all right, we're a match <laughs> just based on the airlines. Anyway, so he had he had his own financial uh, fire timeline, and he and he wasn't quite ready to fire at the time that I was. So we had, and our daughter, my the daughter from the first husband, still was um, a freshman or eighth grader or something, and mm-hmm. and wasn't we had to wait for her to graduate from high school. So anyway. She graduated and he retired on the same day from he she retired from she graduated from high school and he retired on the same day. And that was when we actually were able to launch. I had to wait about five years for all that to come together. Well, that's good to be able to, you know, continue to work on building up that that background and that kitty as well, I'm sure. Yeah, and and while you know, while I was waiting, I got the opportunity to start a little business in Denver about hiking. I had a the number one website for hiking in Denver and it actually spawned four books and I ended up creating this little cottage industry on hiking in Denver that was not part of my plan, but I had five years to kill and something to do. So I went hiking every day and wrote about it. And that turned into <laughs> a little, little, little cash cow. So that was nice. So where did you decide to go? You know, you've been, and how long you've been doing this? What now? Two years? Is that right? No, not, not quite two years. We, we left Denver um, Memorial day. So the end of May, 2021. So we're about eight or eight, seven or eight months into it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, so we decided our, even from our first date, we were trying to talk through what retirement was going to look like, what we would do. We, we knew we both loved to travel. We knew, you know, buying a golf course home and sitting in Florida, you know, watching the golfers go by every day was not going to be our lifestyle by any means. Mm-hmm. So we started thinking about travel, how we could do travel. What did the original idea that we had was we wanted to find some kind of, I don't know, company or something that would have, um, where we could rent a place for three months and then go to another place and rent for three months, another place, but someone that would kind of have a, 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 an inventory of properties that we could kind of Mm -hmm. rotate through. Mm -hmm. So that didn't, that was the original idea. That didn't when we didn't that didn't work out. So 2018, I went on a program called Remote Year. So Steve, my husband, was still working, and he he because of his job, he couldn't travel in the springtime. Mm-hmm. And our daughter was away at school, so I got the chance to. I had about a four or five month period in the middle of winter in Denver that I thought I'm going to go take off. So good time to go. I try. I signed up for this program called Remote Year, which is a group of people that move a month at a time through different cities. So our first, and all of the cities that we picked were Latin American cities and I speak Spanish. So we went to Santiago and Medellin, Colombia and Lima, Peru and Mexico city. And in each city we stayed in Airbnb and we worked at a co-working space and the the company that we signed up for uh, found the Airbnb and then found the co-working space and the collective group of us would, you know, we were all some sort of nomad or some Mm -hmm. sort of digital nomad or freelancer or, you know, some sort of person that could be mobile in their work. And we went from, from, from city to city to city a month at a time. And that was when it clicked. It went, it was like, Oh, this is the model that would work in our retirement. If we did this slow travel, this people are calling that slow med. Now Mm -hmm. this slow travel one month at a time lived on the Airbnb platform and moved, you know, in that manner, all of a sudden things become, the, the, the infrastructure for what our retirement was going to look like just really crystallized for us. Oh, that's really, yeah, that's really exciting. And the, in that, I imagine in that SLOMAD or in the, sorry, the remote year group that it was a fairly diverse range of ages or were they all more, you know, yeah, it, <laughs> I was, 
I was the oldest person by 10 years in the group. In my particular group, there were other groups that were doing other cities and there were lots of folks, not lots, several folks that were in my age group. But mo I'd say the average age was about 30 in the group. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit of an adjustment for me to be hanging out with all these millennials and Gen Z folks. But it, it was a real learning curve, actually. I found that I, I didn't know how much ageism I had in my own personal philosophies about things. Mm -hmm. And I saw the ageism reflected back to me. So it was a real lesson in learning to not make assumptions about what people can do or not do based on their age, whether they're young or old, you know, just because they're 30 doesn't mean they don't know how to do something or just because they're 50 doesn't mean they can't do something. So mm -hmm. it was a real, it was a real lesson in, in redefining, you know, who I was and, and how I fit in the world. It's, it's interesting you say that because that's actually something we've found as well. Like a lot of our friends here in Athens are, in that sort of kind of 30-year-old age gap, sort of 30, 20 years younger than us, because it feels like the sort of person that can afford to pick up and move and is free and isn't burdened by a house and family and things like that is, you know, obviously a bit younger. So it just seems a lot more common that you come across those sorts of people in that sort of age bracket and definitely been a fairly interesting um, experience right. for us as well. True. Absolutely. I, I found that um, because we were in a group of about 40 people, there were always people asking other people to do things. Always. Mm -hmm. I mean, every day someone would send out to the, we had a Slack group. Somebody would send out something in the Slack group. We're going to go play disc golf or we're going to go wine tasting or we're going to go mm -hmm. learn to surf or whatever. And you would, I, I would just join things that I would never do on my own or, or maybe my husband and I never thought about doing. And it just opened up a whole level of adventure that, you know, yeah, my 50 year old body couldn't quite do what the 30 year old bodies could do, but I could still do it, you know, at my mm -hmm. pace. And it mm -hmm. was really enjoyable. And it also taught me too about the importance of having a social life when you travel, because that's, you know, I love my husband, he loves me, but, you know, looking at each other all day long can get quite tedious at times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that there's, um, I mean, that's another kind of challenge you have to negotiate, right? How do you find your space when you're living together in a place that Probably, uh, may, maybe maybe not for you, but for here, for us, it's definitely a lot smaller than our house was back home. You know, we're yeah, sharing certainly, two certainly. rooms between a, between us, a bedroom and a, and a kitchen living room, really. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, we're sitting on top of each other all the time and uh, it's, yeah, it's very different. And then all of the friends and the network that you used to have, let's go out for drinks on a Friday night or whatever it was mm -hmm. that you, you know, always habits that you used to have they disappear and, and now you have to you tend to do things together and so finding that space finding how do you negotiate that and redefine that relationship and find time just for you to do things I think it's really important I think it's a, a real skill that you need to develop you know and and probably like you we're together 24 7 yeah you know yeah. there's no unless I go out for a walk by myself or you know whatever go to the grocery store by myself or whatever we are 24 seven and we were not like that when we were, you know, in our corporate America, you know, we would get up in the morning, we might have coffee or whatever together, go off. And, and even if we worked in the house, I had my section of the house, he had mm -hmm. his section of the house. We might at lunchtime, you know, cross in the kitchen and then at dinner we would come, you know, so we wouldn't, we had eight to 10 hours of time that we were not together. Yep. And now we're together all the time. So we're actually closer than I ever thought we would be. Yeah. And yep. it's, strengthen our relationship in a way I never thought. And now I can't imagine not being with him all the time, but it's not a codependency. It's, it's a, it's a comfort level. I think it's a difference in comfort. It's a change in comfort. Yeah. yeah. We, we had this, this um, moment with my daughter actually uh, just, just today. And if she listens to this, she'll probably cringe when she hears me tell it, but you know, we're, She's graduating in May, and so we're planning to go to the US for obviously for her graduation, uh, which will be up in Portland. And then after that, we want to go to Chicago. Um, I've never been; it's a city I'd like to visit. Karina's really, my wife is really excited to take me to Chicago, and so we wanted the kids. Both of them are there. My son's been in Australia for the last two years, so we haven't been together as a family. And we were like, "Well, let's all go to Chicago. Let's have this holiday." And both of them are like, "Well, you know what? We've got our own plans." You know, and that's right. fine. <laughs> But right. I think what was what was interesting was, you know, Karina was sort of saying to my daughter, that's fine. You know, we like, you know, 
dad and I like traveling together. We'll have a great time without you. We, right. we will. Exactly. You know, we're quite yeah. happy with each other's company um, mm -hmm. because we're not paying for you to come with us. We'll probably splash a little bit more on a slightly nicer hotel room. We're going to have a great time. Don't worry about us sort of thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it, it is. It's a really important thing when you're traveling to, to yeah, you've got, to, you've got to learn to like each other and, and love each other, but you've also got to learn how to find that space. Exactly. You mentioned that your daughter was uh, a freshman in high school. So she was, what, I guess that's sort of 12 or 13 years of age when you were starting to plan this and come together. Mm -hmm. um, so you were in that house there in Denver then for you know, six or seven years. How did that feel to sort of leave to, you know, kind of move on? Yeah, whew. So we, um, we sold everything. We sold everything down to the last paperclip in the back of the junk drawer. Um, we left the house with two carry-on suitcases and two backpacks. And she left the house to go to college. So she is now a freshman at Trinity College in Dublin. And we, so she graduated, I think, I don't know, May 15th. And then we left May 30th or something. So um, we, it was, although she, she was part of the planning and part of the, I mean, she knew all along what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And when it came to actually leaving the house, you know, she packed up her stuff to go to college and she, we did allow her to have one small box, like, you know, like a file size box that she was able to put some of her childhood things in. And that went to her, uh, one of her grandmothers. Yep. And that was it. That was the only thing she was able to keep. So anyway, off we go. We have this, huge uh, road trip through the United States. And then we launch out of New um, Newark in August and New York, New Jersey in August, and then dropped her off in Dublin to, for her to start school. So we get to school, we set her up, we go to Ikea and buy all the things we didn't bring with us and, yep. and set her up and then left her. And then Steve and I then traveled through the UK and then we ended up in Mexico uh, for the winter. So Christmas time came along and you know, what is she going to do? So we bought her a ticket to come and it was really, we didn't know because of COVID and, mm -hmm. you know, all the borders closing and opening and this, that, and the other, we didn't know she could get out and get back into Ireland. Any anyway, long story short, she got to Mexico and she got there, I think on December 23rd and we were sitting and talking and she was pretty upset with us. I mean, she was she pretty much expressed that she had, you know, everything had, was a whirlwind when we left. You know, she graduated, we packed, we left, we flew, we dropped her off, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, she, I mean, she finally had a chance by December to kind of grieve what had happened. And she let us know pretty directly that we had pulled the rug out from underneath her and even though she knows where we are, she doesn't really know where we are. And mm -hmm. I mean, we send pictures and we talk to her and we FaceTime and so on, but it's not the same as having the comfort level of, you know, she can see the piece of art in the background and, and know that that's our house in Denver, but that we lived in for yeah, 10 years or whatever. I, I've also found that there's an element of, I don't need to see another photo of mum and dad on a beach having a great time while I'm studying. Yeah. <laughs> right. definitely an issue. yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, same picture, different background. <laughs> anyway, so she really kind of took us to task and she wanted to know what, what the safety net was for her, even though we had talked about this a lot and, you know, she's got several grand, she's got two grandmothers in, in the state. She's got an aunt in the state. She's got a, a granddad in the state. She's got all kinds of a network in the States, but she didn't really own them as her backup plan. Mm -hmm. And now they really are her backup plan. You know, if she, if for some reason we're someplace that she can't get to because of COVID or whatever, and she needs to get somewhere, she knows that she can go there, but now she knows it's more of an actual thing as opposed to a theoretical thing. Right. And it just took a lot of kind of crying and listen. I really had to listen to her, really listen to her, explain what her anxieties were about mom and dad being someplace in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's interesting for us because, you know, we've had similar sorts of conversations with our daughter. Not quite, not probably quite the same because I think to some extent the way in which we've, we've grown up and moved around and moved countries several times with them, they're perhaps mm -hmm. used to that idea of not having a, a home base. But 
definitely that safety net issue is a big one. That was a, a big thing for our daughter too, especially as she's now starting to think about what do I do when I finish college? You know, she graduates in May. Yeah. Where do I go from here? And it's perhaps not explicit. Like, I don't think she's not really saying this. Like, she's not saying, well, if you had been living in the US or, or wherever, I'd come and live with you guys. And that would be my safety net while I find a job and get established. And now, right. you know, I'm kind of out on the street on my ear. But I think she definitely feels that. She definitely feels that, you know, she's being forced into sort of this, this grown up life, perhaps a little faster than she might have yeah, liked. I as a mom, I, I do feel that guilt of did we did we put her out into the world a little bit sooner than she wanted to? And but we after a lot of conversation, I, I asked her, I said, look, would you rather have your mom and dad sitting in Denver waiting for you to come home and have the Christmas tree up and the you know and the fire on the dog next to it? Or would you rather have us out enjoying the world and living experiences and having adventures and so on and giving you the opportunity to come and see us wherever we are? Mm -hmm. Would you rather have Christmas in Greece? or in Denver, you know, and she, when it came down to it, of course, she answered that she would rather have us out and about and us and her visiting us, but we just had to have the conversation. Yep. We, it, yep. we just couldn't assume that those were going to be the answers. We had to have the conversation. So all of us were comfortable with where we are now. And the other thing too, is that, that, um, you know, we have two kids, <clears throat> our, our daughter, Ella and our son, Jasper, and you know, they're surprisingly different people. They have very different approaches to this and very different feelings about it. Our son, as best we can tell, has taken to this like a duck to water. And two days after he graduated from high school, he's like, right, that's it. Goodbye. I'm off. And he went yeah. back to Australia <laughs> because the circumstances yeah. without a visa was such that he couldn't work in the US because he didn't have a graduate degree. So he mm -hmm. had to leave. But he was fine with that. And we helped him on his way. He went back to Australia. He's been there for two years now we haven't seen him and he's having a great time from what we can tell. Yeah, that's great. He seems well, really Steve's happy. two older kids. Yeah, Steve's two older kids. They're just kind of like, man, eh, call us when you call us when you have a chance. You know, send us a picture every once in a while. Yeah, we want to see you. Let us know. You know, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, it is yeah. definitely that sort of thing of um it's you know, it's one of those things you have to negotiate that sort of family stuff. So, you know, kind of moving forwards, then what about the rest of the family? You know, are you the are you the crazy sister? Uh, everyone's a little not sure about you. Or, or... Uh, so I do have a sister and Steve's got two brothers. And then uh, we've got, I've still got two, uh, a stepmom and a mom. And um, they're all fine. They're like, you know, they follow along on social media or follow along on our YouTube channel or whatever. And, you know, they're like, oh, that's whatever Chris is doing, whatever, you know, just let us know. So I, no problems. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was raised in San Diego and my parents' family, so my grandparents and my, my grands and my cousins and all that were in West Virginia. So we never really had physical closeness. Closeness was always achieved by airplanes and light mm -hmm. and flights mm -hmm. and letters and, you know, holiday visits and so on. So we don't feel like we are doing anything different now in this stage of our life than what we've had our entire life. Yeah. We never had mom and dad living next door or the cousins down the street. So that's not something that we feel like we, a network that we've broken or a network we've left behind because we never really had it. Yeah. It was always a, a virtual or a distance-based relationship. So those, you know, we have friends when we were getting ready to do this life, we had friends that, you know, mom lives upstairs and, and grandmother's next door and seven cousins are on the street. They say to us, they could never do it. And I, I understand that, but we, yeah. we didn't have that scenario. Yeah. And, and we were very, very similar, I think, in that respect with our you know, with our sort of background and, you know, my parents lived overseas. So there was a period, you know, 10 years ago where we were at home and my parents were living away and traveling and <laughs> in Norway and Mexico and other things working. So it, it definitely, you know, different families, different circumstances is sort of one thing that you have to negotiate. Um, you mentioned your YouTube channel. I was really interested the other day. I mean, tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel, but also I am really interested in hearing how do you hack a timeshare? <laughs> well, thanks. I'm, I'm glad I've got a subscriber. We, we, we just launched the YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago because all my friends, we, we, we actually have a blog that we've had along for six or seven years that has gone very nicely. We have nice followers there, but a lot of my friends are just, they don't have time to read. So they want to watch a, a YouTube video. So every Monday we post a new, a new story 
And we try to do it a little bit differently than, than a lot of the other bloggers out there. We try to keep it at 10 to 15 minutes long mm -hmm. and we do it with pictures and, and narration rather than footage. So usually, so anyway, that's our, that's our blog and yep. our, our YouTube channel. So this past week, you, I guess you saw our last YouTube post about hacking a timeshare. We were in Cancun, Mexico. And if you go to any of these destination resort places in Mexico, you will somehow come across somebody that wants you to come see a timeshare. Mm -hmm. So we fell for the bait and we went and sat through our hour and a half timeshare where it's important that you and your spouse are on the same page that ultimately you want to get to know, because if you, yeah. anywhere, if you say yes, you're going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, so we said no. And the, the, the benefits for going was we got um, almost $500 worth of tours that we had, we had, we had priced these tours prior to going to the presentation, thinking mm -hmm. that we were going to pay for these tours because we wanted to go to Holbosch, which is a, 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 an island in the Gulf of Mexico off of, off of Mexico that is just being developed. So it's all the Instagrammers are there. It's beautiful. It's all the beautiful, clear water. You can walk in the water and all these beautiful things. And then we went to Ekbalam, which was a, a ruin that has just been discovered here. And we had our own private tour with the director of archeology. span And then we went to Cenote Maya, which is the largest Cenote in the Yucatan. We were there by ourselves. Nobody else was there. This is the Cenote. This is the one where you were abseiling down the rope to get down the bottom of this big cave hole and go swimming down the bottom, right? Yeah. Yeah, cenotes are the freshwater source for the Yucatan, and they, most of them are underground. So we were, we got to repel 100 feet down into this freshwater cenote, which and got to swim for a couple hours all by ourselves. There was nobody else there. So wow. timeshare presentations, they they always they try to lure you in, so mm -hmm. you go, and as long as you say no, <laughs> you end up not spending any money, and... and you get to go on these tours. But if you say yes, you'll be indebted. Forever, I guess. You mentioned uh, Instagrammers. I am interested in Instagrammers just from a general point of view. Like I feel like for me, travel has changed a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And, you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I find them annoying. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, what, what, what have you noticed like as you've sort of traveled in the past and, and now, you know, with the sort of pressure that Instagram puts on people to get that perfect moment? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I have, I have a personal Instagram channel and I also have an Instagram channel for eat, walk, learn, but it, it's more just to document what we're doing and give people inspiration to go do things. I'm not at all out to have the perfect picture of the perfect place. I mean, if I catch a perfect picture, great, you know, I'm going to post it. But when, what I see a lot, especially when we go to these tourist locations is people, um, their, the whole experience they have at that location is the experience of trying to get a good picture mm -hmm. and not the experience of enjoying the place. Right. So and the, and they, have, they the, have an Insta hubby with them taking all the photos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the beauty of slow mad travel is you, you, I, maybe the, maybe there's inst maybe we're going to coin a new term here, Tim, Insta travel versus slow travel. So Insta travel I is like the whole goal is to get there, take the picture and leave, right? Versus slow mad where you get to go enjoy the place. And we see all this Insta travel everywhere we go. And it's really, it's really sad. And, and as you know, we are, people would look at us and say, you are rich, white American couple traveling the world. We don't think of ourselves that way, but we certainly are seen as that way, right? And a lot of the Insta travel people are rich, white, you know, in parentheses, you know, air quotes, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Rich, white, American, maybe we say yuppies from the old terms or, you know, millennials yep. or whoever they are, right? That are traveling the world and they're really consuming it and taking things in their Insta travel life. And our goal as Slomads is to do more give than to take. You know, we really want to give back. We really want to volunteer. We really want to share in a way that inspires people to think sustainably and think holistically about their position in the world and not how their position on the edge of a pyramid looking into a jungle, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and I think the 
that's a really interesting take on it. I love that term insta travel. I'm going to use that for insta travelers now. But the big one for me, we were recently in Egypt, was just how selfish some of these people yeah. are because yeah. you're you're in a very um, tight and confined space, and some of these people clearly clearly they're you know as influencers, right? Not not just more than just a traveler like they, they were there right. for the photos they were dressed up they had the hat they had the whole look going on yeah. and they had people that were physically blocking the walkways no. to hold everyone back so that they could no. get their perfect moment and it just felt it just felt selfish it felt rude and it felt uncalled for and it just felt just selfish and, and I, I love that sort of that image of these you know, it's not just taking photos, it's the taking from the experience from everyone else to get your moment yeah. and monetize yeah. it. And it just seems yeah. very, not very, uh, not the way I'd like to travel. I like the way you describe yeah. slow matting and, and giving back travel is a privilege and it is something that does, you know, it's always, I struggle with this at times here in Athens. It's There's this, you know, this problem where, you know, you're bringing money into the economy, which is great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in the same time that you're doing that, you are disrupting the economy. Exactly. And it's um, and it's and I think the people that are getting the money will be very happy that you're getting the money, but the people that aren't getting a slice of the money aren't very happy about it. And it shows in all sorts of ways here in Athens with, you know, Airbnbs pushing up prices and things like that. So there's something I do struggle with. I love that idea of trying to find ways to, you know, give back when you travel that you you're putting into the community that you you're taking the time and not just enjoying their culture, but also, you know, leaving a, a more positive imprint. Yeah. And the, la the last thing I would hate to have happen is someone, you know, a local remembering me as the person that got in their way. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be remembered as the person that participated with them and was part of their life. And hopefully we improved each other's lives in some way, or they taught me, they, they, hopefully they taught me more than I taught them, you know, um, the, I, I, back to the, you know, Amer Americans in particular have this travel, the world views Americans as greedy, ignorant, fat, lazy, consuming travelers, you know, maybe you don't, but that's certainly a, an image that a lot of people have of Americans. Mm -hmm. And I think these Insta travelers are just adding to that, whether they're American or not, a lot of them are, but um, yeah, they're, you know, they're definitely, adding, this, adding they're not that. all American. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, they're not, especially in Europe, they're not, but um, at least right now, they're not, but Anyway, yeah. um, it's, it's there's I think there's an opportunity for people like you and me and our followers to really embrace a different way to travel and a different way to set an example mm -hmm. that is a new, sustainable, friendlier, kinder, global, we're all in this together message. And, you know, that that kind of leads, you know, nicely into talking a little bit about you know, you, I know from the, I only know this from the Facebook group, but I know that you are a passionate um, vegetarian slash vegan. Yeah, a, true. Yep. True. And, you know, I, I imagine that that does bring a lot of challenges when you travel and even just in <laughs> diet in general. But, you know, you're sort yeah. of coming in and you want to experience the culture, but the culture is we eat in Greece, we eat roasted goat wrapped in intestines, but right. you're vegan. So how do you, how do you balance that? You know, how do you fight, manage that challenge and just diet in general? And it's a big problem when you're Yeah, traveling. it's eating on the road and then eating a, a particular type of food on the road, whether, you know, pescatarian, vegetarian, carnivore, whatever you are. You know, I, I don't like to define myself by what I eat because I'm much more than what I eat. But the I, I do eat a, a plant-based diet and I try my hardest to always eat plant-based. Every once in a while, some dairy products will come in there. But um so when we when we go someplace, I do go, do a lot of googling trying to find plant based restaurants and things, mm -hmm. or restaurants that have plant based items on the menu that are you know more than just another lentil burger or something or a salad. Yeah. But you know the, one of the fun things is even even if you're lucky enough to speak the language and ask the the waitress for a plant based meal, or you say you're vegetarian or vegan, they a lot of times that's just interpreted as you don't eat beef and then they serve you a piece of chicken or a piece of fish right. because yep. that's their, de their, their local definition. So, um, we, you know, we'll try to eat out a couple times a week by doing some Googling and finding some places often, you know, I might end up just eating French fries because there's nothing else on the menu that will even 
satisfy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of places, you know, they'll, you say, you ask for a vegetarian meal and they serve you a bowl of vegetable soup, but it's chicken broth. So I, 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 I now more so than ever, eating a plant-based diet is a guiding principle and not a rule. Mm -hmm. Because if I, if by, by sticking to a rule, I'm really going to miss out possibly on a lot of really good flavors and foods. But by also trying really hard to stick to it, I do find some interesting flavors and things. We were at the Cenote Maya, and I told the restaurant where we were that I was vegan, and they served me a um, a chayita, which was kind of a, a deep fried tortilla, kind of, but it was mixed with chaya, which is a it's one of the new upcoming plants that's coming into the yeah. U.S. as a miracle plant. Of course, it's been in the Mayan culture for thousands of years, but it's kind of like spinach. And you chop it up and it was mixed in with this batter and deep fried. So it was a yummy deep fried thing, which of course is never bad. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, you know, I got to try, because I mentioned that I was vegan, I got to try a whole new plant that I never would have known to ask for. As slow travelers versus Insta travelers, you know, we did sort of touch on the idea before that the, you know, your diet really has to change. You have to be very careful about what you eat because if you just ate deep fried um, spinach for every meal, right. <laughs> Uh, you know, you probably wouldn't fit on the video screen, right? This is not a very right. healthy way to be. Uh, so, you know, how do you, do you I, I, I presume without answering the question for you, you know, you cook at home a lot more, you have to. Sure. Immerse you know, and that's, in. you know, that's part of the, that's the fun part of slow matting. You get to go to the, the local grocery stores and the local, local fresh markets and buy your food. I mean, we, we've eaten more fresh food traveling than we ever did in the States. Mm-hmm. Go, you know, going to the local King Supers or Albertsons or whatever in the States, the fresh food is just the foods and the fresh fruits and vegetables in the States are just awful in general. But now, you know, we're, we are, we, we get fresh fruit and vegetables right from the farmers, very affordable, pick this morning type thing. Mm -hmm. There's no hundred miles of transportation or thousands of miles of transportation to get it to the, the fresh market. It really is the fresh market, the local fresh market. So we, and, and then we get to eat all different types of varieties of food and different um, um, varietals. So, you know, spinach in the U.S. looks much different than spinach in Mexico. It's a whole different variety. And we take that food, we go home. We, we live in Airbnbs or we house sit. So often in the Airbnbs, it could be a little frustrating because there's not the spices and the oils and the vinegars mm -hmm. that you're used to having. So we often buy and leave those types of things. I feel like my oil, vinegar, and spice budget is higher than the normal person because we're constantly buying it and leaving it because we yeah. can't travel with it on planes and things. Yeah. But then when we house it, you know, the, the house or the homeowner often has a whole suite of different things that we've never tried. And they always are really generous with, you know, help yourself to those things. So we cook at home. We try to replicate some of the foods we see on the menus in the local restaurants. Mm -hmm. We try to replicate those at home in our own style and our own vegan versions. And do our best to eat less, <laughs> kind of go with less. That also includes go with less food. And we also make sure we exercise. We, uh, whether we're on YouTube looking at exercise videos or joining the local gym, it's a, even though we do a lot of walking, you know, 15,000 steps are pretty de rigueur, you know, 10,000, 15,000 steps a day, Yep. pretty normal, normal day. But the, even though we're walking a lot, that doesn't count as exercise. We actually have to you know, do the exercise, do the aerobics, do the weights or whatever, because otherwise that 10 pounds comes on like, like not like, yeah. like Christmas holidays. Yep. Yeah. It, it is one of those sorts of challenges. And, and there is that thing. Do you feel a sense of loss sometimes? Like you particularly crave something and you know, on the one hand, there's all this amazing fresh food, but on the other hand, do you ever sort of have those moments of, I just wish I could buy, just want to buy Whatever you know, you know when that really hits me, I, I I don't really have the the mac and cheese cravings or the you know her, chocolate Hershey bar cravings like a lot of people do when they travel, Americans travel, but I have to admit that not only drink coffee, but I have to admit when we when we get to the airport, I gotta have a Starbucks, and and it's not a <laughs> I'll get some, not Starbucks, I, I won't get a coffee because I don't drink coffee, but something from Starbucks. I just need that comfort zone that Starbucks offers as we're in an airport airport. So yep. I don't do Starbucks anywhere else, but airports, but sorry, no, sorry, no, all we, you purists out there. The, <laughs> the it, one that we had it. the other day was, oh. um, we, we knew that it was going to be snowing here and that when it snows in Athens, everything shuts down because they're just not set up for it because it doesn't yeah, snow very yeah. often. I can't and, believe there's snow in Athens. That's crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen that much, but uh, yeah. it was quite a lot. Um, everything shut down. The supermarket shelves were completely empty. The banks ran out of the ATMs ran out of money. The banks shut down. The whole the whole wow. thing. The whole economy. It was a big. It was a big deal. But anyway, Karina thought, well, you know, we should get some tin soup. You know, we'll just buy some Campbell's soup. You know, it'd yeah. be nice to have soup on a cold day, sit and watch the snow. Right. They don't sell canned soup at all. They don't sell canned yeah, soup anywhere. Yeah, we found that anywhere. We were in, in Mexico, they don't do it either. There's no canned soup. And we asked someone, and they're like, why would you buy canned soup? Yaya cooks soup. The grandmother cooks soup. We just go to grandma's and have soup. You don't have to, you don't have to buy it in a supermarket. <laughs> You know what? And we actually, the other day, we were looking for a frozen pizza. We were just like, oh, we're done with all this. We just want a frozen pizza. We went to the local. Yeah, um, I don't think we get those here which either. Is the Mexican Walmart. No frozen pizzas. Yeah. None. Yeah. Like, why would you buy a frozen pizza? Who eats frozen pizza? Yeah, so we have a similar experience when you're out on the islands in the boat with Greek food. It's very restrictive because, you know, in the islands, it's great, but they only tend to have the same thing. You know, it's like it's a Greek salad right. and it's it's roasted meat and variations on how you prepare those but that's really all it is and so when we come back to athens you know we're super excited about coming back to athens because it's a big multicultural city and it's not to come to athens to eat greek food it's to come to athens to be able to get asian food and italian and pizzas and all these other things that we can't get while we're out on the islands Um, so tell me a little bit about then you know it's been so i think you said eight or nine months so far right what's kind of really been that best experience for yourself? And then as you're talking about that, what's been the worst experience? Oh my gosh. That's like picking a favorite child. Um, <laughs> the worst experiences or the best ones? <laughs> <laughs> so the best experience, oh boy. Uh, you know, we, so we, we dropped our daughter off in Dublin and then we were in the UK for about six weeks and we went back and forth between um, Airbnbs and house sits. And we found ourselves at Stonehenge mm-hmm. and um, we were, you know, of course, Stonehenge is amazing. And, and these are like bucket list items for people and so on. And so we're sitting, we get there and we're sitting on this bench and we're just kind of watching the whole Stonehenge scene. And we were about maybe three months into our adventure at that time. And up to that point, our, it had been go, 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 you know, sell mm-hmm. the house, sell the car, get the kid to school, get our fees, you know, get our passports working, make sure we had our COVID test, you know, blah, 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 right. Like, yep. Go, go, go. And finally we were sitting at Stonehenge and we're watching, you know, the world go by us very, all the Insta, Insta travelers, right. Going mm-hmm. around and we were sitting there and we could have sat there for the entire time if we wanted to, you know, we, and we, at the, at the moment that we realized this was our life, and this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. we have, we can develop whatever rhythm that we want and whatever speed that we want. That was a real, you know, it was like the, the Stonehenge gates of heaven opened up and went, oh, you know, it was just this realization of this is our life. Mm-hmm. That was probably the, the monumental event so far that's really clarified that we're doing the right thing and we love what we're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, that's a remarkable feeling. I I love that too. That sense of, you know, if we want to stay here an extra day, we can stay here an extra day. If we want to do this, we can do that. We can make, we can make changes. We're flexible. Plans can just evolve in front of us. Yeah. Um, I think the, the worst part was, um, we were still in the UK and I ended up injuring my knee and, uh, I, we didn't know it was, I didn't know it was wrong. And I just thought, you know, ice and, and aspirin would take care of it. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I found, I found myself with an injury. We were in Glasgow, we were at a house sit and, um, you know, being Americans, our medical insurance is just wackadoodle crazy. And so we have international insurance policy, but mm-hmm. we just at the moment where I felt very much like i I couldn't do anything like I had, we couldn't go anywhere because we had the dog sit. I couldn't find a doctor to take care of my knee. I was in pain. It was gray and rainy and cold. Mm-hmm. And, and we were kind of, we were a little, we were stuck on our, we were stuck on our own, our own, our own definition of being stuck, right? Mm-hmm. We were a little bit stuck and we were kind of in this wait mode and I'm waiting to try to figure out the doctor and this, that, and the other. And it was just like, ugh. 
okay, this is the downside of slow travel where you, you have, you constantly have to figure out things. You constantly, mm -hmm. the, the simple things like going to the grocery store, you got to figure out which bus to get on, whether the bus man makes change, what kind of money you need to have. Can you use your credit card? Do you have to have exact change? Where's the bus go? How do you get to the grocery store? Which grocery, all those things that are so easy in your normal life yep. become so exponentially difficult. And now we got an injured knee and I can't move around, you know, and all this was like, oh, this is the hard part of the nomad life. And yep. there's no, there's no comfort zone. There's no, there's no safety net, you know, to your life. It's everything requires conversation, communication, and a decision. Nothing's easy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I and, and actually that's the, that's the beauty of, of the slow travel, right? Like the beauty of it is that you have that painful first few days, maybe that painful week, painful, you know, what, whatever it is, but then you get over that hump and, yeah, yeah. you know, you're kind of cruising through it and you're like, wow, this yeah. is, this is amazing. And you have these experiences that other people can't have, but there's right. a lot of work to get there. Definitely yeah, is. Totally. No, I agree. Totally. I think I think people look at it and say, Well, you know, this is amazing and it is amazing. You know, we're living, we're traveling around the world, we're enjoying different cultures and doing different things when they're stuck back in the office at work. But there is a fair degree of work to this as well. I don't want to overplay it. Oh, like yeah. it's not the same. But yeah. there's no, a lot of work that goes on here. There is. You know, people ask us what do we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So if we're not traveling, if we're not in transition from place to place, so we're like a, a solid week someplace or a solid couple of weeks, I would say typically in a week, three of those days, at least, we are working on logistics, planning, traveling, reservations, cancellations, mm -hmm. you know, COVID restrictions, something to do with movement. And, it and then the rest of the time, you know, we're enjoying the local town and we're going out to the local hikes or the local tours or the local dinners, whatever, but it's, it's work. And it really takes both my husband and I are really good at logistics. He actually majored in or has a graduate degree in logistics, which is, you know, adds a nice element to it, but we're, we're on the, we're on the internet. We're surfing. We're, we're Googling what's to do in Athens. We're getting, Hey Tim, are you going to be in Athens in two weeks? Maybe yep. we'll see you, you know? Yep. And it's, but it's, it's, it is work. And, and if you don't like, being on your computer and looking at hotel websites and airline websites and Googling things to do. If that's something that you, you just don't like, this is not the life for you by any means. Mm -hmm. But if you love it, it's absolutely the life for you. Yep. Yeah. I can definitely, I definitely agree with that. There, there's a lot of time spent um, researching and thinking ahead, thinking about how things are going to play out and what actually sort of happens, which is mm -hmm. you know, a, big, a big deal. It's a big part of it. So, you know, I appreciate the time that you've, you've spent with me. My last question for you is kind of where do you see yourself in 10 years? Or make it, make it <laughs> easy. Let's make it five years. Where do you see yourself five years from now? Is this something that you think you'll still be doing in five years? Or what, what would happen to change to cause you to go back? Yeah, that's a great question. When, when we originally set out on this plan, the original plan, this is before COVID. So we were, t we were this is what we were thinking. We would, be, we would travel for two years. We would leave the states, go down through Central and South America, go go stop in in Oz and in New Zealand, then come up through South Africa and end up in Europe. That was kind of our horseshoe shape, type shape. Mm -hmm. And we and the the goal of the two years was to find a place to possibly live full time for the rest of our lives. That was kind of the vision. And we were going to chase seventy two degrees the whole time. So okay. you know what is that twenty degrees or twenty two degrees? Twenty two, yeah. yeah, centigrade. Yeah. So that was the goal. Then our daughter decided she's going to go to school in Dublin. So that was like, oh, well, I guess we'll go to Dublin first. And then COVID, you know, then COVID all happens. And that then because the UK was was American friendly uh, for COVID, it was easy to get in and out if you're from the States at the time. That's why. So we end up in the UK. And then when we're in the UK, we at the time that we had to make our decisions for the fall, the Delta variant was rising and mm -hmm. We knew that it was very possible a lot of things were going to close. And we knew that the last place that would close to Americans would be Mexico. So we thought, well, let's go to Mexico for the winter and we will we'll wait out COVID in Mexico. And then Omicron came along. So on. anyway, so that was our goal, which is, neither 
Ireland, the UK, and Mexico were not on our original plans because we had been to those places before and we're like, oh, we don't need to go to those again. We'll just start in Costa Rica. So we have we're not we haven't started our plan yet to the plan that we were originally going to do. Yeah, COVID so now, has made it a need yeah. to be more creative. Yeah. So now uh, we think we are definitely going to be traveling for at least five years at the rate that we're traveling and all the places we want to see. It's going to take us five years to get through it all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you were to make, make me say right now where we think we're going to end up, I would say probably Portugal or Spain for long term. But there's a bunch of countries in South America that I really want to see and check out. And there's play, actually here in Ajajic in Mexico, we absolutely love the place. So I never would have told you I was going to live in Mexico, but maybe I will now. Who knows? I, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, as long as, you know, the UK and Russian, UK, US thing doesn't blow up and COVID doesn't continue to blow. I, who knows? <laughs> we, yeah. You know, it, it's really, we try to plan about three months at a time. We try to seasonally. So from Mexico, we are taking a cruise over to Barcelona, and then we're going to do Italy, Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal for our 90 days of Schengen, um, which will take us through about June, middle of June or July. And then we're going to probably go to Ireland for a little while and check in with our daughter. And then after that, we don't know where we're going. And we're okay with that. And we're even okay not knowing where we're going next week. But we, we do have, because we're in Mexico, it's easy to make plans. Um, we're staying in Mexico for a little while. But it's, to answer your question, 10 years, no idea. 10 years None. too hard. Zero. I, I, could, I could probably say with 75% certainty, it will not be the U.S. Interesting. Final thoughts for anyone that's, uh, you know, considering embarking on this lifestyle. You know, what, what would be the, what's the one piece of advice, you know, if you were saying to someone who's thinking that this is what they want to do, what, what is it that they're going to have to keep in mind or look out for that might be unexpected? Stop thinking and start doing. You know, literally get a calendar out, and just pick a date. It doesn't even matter if the date doesn't make sense. Just pull a calendar out, put your finger on it, and just start planning towards that date. If you don't hit that date, fine, but just pick one. It could be five years from now, it could be three months from now, whatever. And if you just have to, you know, throw a, a dart at a target to, to, to pick a date because you your 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 limitations are keeping you from picking one, pick one. And that the magic of picking at the date will make everything else fall in place. Excellent. Well, that's great advice, Chris. It's been a real pleasure to get to meet you online and chat with you. Uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed, as I have, having this conversation. And uh, yeah, if you do make your way over here to Europe and you end up in, in Greece, make sure to come and say hello. You know, Tim, the, my, the graduation gift I gave my daughter for high school was a trip to Greece. So you are, you're on the schedule. We will see you soon. Excellent. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Footloose. Feedback is always welcome at Timbull on Twitter. That's T-I-M-B-U-L-L. Catch you next time.